0: Since chimpanzee females can rear a maximum of one child every fourth year, this can be presumed to have been the case with early hominid females as well. Hence, they had to evolve the most rigidly circumscribed estrus of any higher primate. Hominid females came into estrus about every fourth year, as chimpanzee females do. But unlike chimpanzees, they did not experience post-conception estrus, and their estrus periods lasted only a day or so, coinciding precisely with ovulation this had a number of selective advantages it permitted the mated pair to seclude themselves in recurrent honeymoons for a couple of days every fourth year during the female's estrus period thus the male could be certain of paternity which further reinforced the pair bond and motivated him to great Enterprise in the hunt, confident that his efforts would contribute to the welfare of his own offspring. Since a female was sexually attractive and active for an insignificant portion of her life, she wasted no time and energy in fruitless copulation, and hence maximized the time and energy she could devote to gathering and to mothering. Similarly, males were free to focus their energies on hunting and on teaching their sons to hunt, as they were not engaged in superfluous sexual activity with their mates. Neither were, neither were males spending time lusting after and plotting to seduce their neighbors' mates since the latter were almost never sexually attractive and, when they were attractive during their rare estrous periods, had their husbands' undivided attention. Sexual rivalries thus were eliminated and male-to-male bonding was facilitated, rendering the hunting band a still more tightly knit cooperative unit. Finally, the male to female pair bond was not sundered by the suspicions, jealousies, resentments, fears, anxieties, compromises, deceptions, disappointments, failures, nameless longings, named longings, misunderstandings, recriminations, divergent impulses, Disparate, disparate fantasies and conflicting moods in short the quiet desperation that might have occurred in a more sexually active species at the end of the day when dinner was over and the children were asleep the mated pair generally groomed one another for 20 or 30 minutes and eventually fell asleep in each other's arms. It is this evolutionary background that explains why all human societies provide some means of seclusion for a pair-bonded, married, couple during the woman's estrus period. Whether, one's, or rather, whether one considers the simple estrus huts of pre-literate peoples or the elaborate estrus palaces maintained by wealthy Europeans. It also explains why even the most outspoken critics of capital punishment find it natural to make an exception of the crime of copulating with another man's wife during her estrus period. The point of this exercise is to suggest that if the outlined ground rules are not followed, one can begin to evolutionary scenario at the plausible starting point, chimpanzee-like ancestors, add a plausible environmental change, increasing importance of hunting, and explain something that didn't happen as easily as something that did as in the preceding scenario in my loss of estrus game humans are derived from a chimpanzee-like ancestor and the increasing importance of cooperative male hunting is considered to be the key to the loss like many Anthropologists, I consider chimpanzees to be by far the best available model for a human ancestor of 6 million years ago, both because the biochemical data indicate that humans and chimpanzees are very closely related. King and Wilson, 1975. And because recent field studies demonstrate marked behavioral Similarities between chimpanzee and human hunter gatherers. The basic social unit of human hunter gatherers is the nuclear family in which men hunt, women gather vegetable foods and the results are shared and given to their offspring. No non human primate regularly provisions another weaned animal. Among mammals, systematic male provisioning of females is found only in Homo sapiens and in Group hunting canids, Eisenberg, 1966. While the social behavior of social carnivores varies from species to species, it frequently shows convergence in food sharing, cooperation and hunting, division of labor, reduced dominance. And large home ranges with that of human hunter gatherers, which suggests that hunting played an important role in the evolution of human social life. Eisenberg, 1966, Schaller, and Lowther, 1969, Washburn, and Lancaster, 1968, suggest that the nuclear family is a result of intensive hunting by males and the consequent sharing of meat. McGrew, in press, argues that since vegetables are much more reliable than prey animals, female gathering and sharing may have made it possible for males to gamble on the hunt Levi Strauss, 1969 describes the plight of the human bachelor thus, quote, denied food after bad hunting or fishing expeditions when the fruits of the women's collecting and gathering and sometimes their gardening provide the only meal there is, the wretched Bachelor is a characteristic sight in native society, but the actual victim is not the only person involved in this scarcely tolerable situation. The relatives or friends on whom he depends on in such cases for his subsistence are tasty, rather are testy in suffering his mute anxiety, unquote. The persistence of marriage and the family implies that they were adaptive for both the sexes. Although the evolution of human sexuality must have been affected by the development of marriage, it seems unlikely that females became continuously attractive in order to lure males into marriage. There is no reason to expect selection to have favored hominid males or their marriage arranging relatives who chose as mates females with extended estrus periods over females with more discrete periods. Extended estrus periods are likely to reduce a male's confidence in paternity and to entail greater expenditures of time and energy copulating and sequestering the human male's intuitive assumption that constant copulability and attractivity are desirable in a wife as a result of a male psyche that is adapted to an environment in which ovulation is not advertised Ancestral male hominids Before the loss of estrus would not necessarily have shared this assumption If marriage did develop while estrus was being lost young males may have pined for an old-fashioned girl who was not in estrus all the time wifely virtues overlapping only partially with indices of sexual attractiveness might have included evidence of sexual fidelity, youth, health, industry in gathering and skill in mothering. As discussed above, marriage is not in essence a sexually-based behavioral association between a male and a female, but rather an economic and child-rearing partnership embedded in networks of kin and entailing sexual rights and duties. The extent that marriage is founded on sexual emotions, the most relevant emotion probably is sexual jealousy. To the extent that marriage is founded on sexual behaviors, the most relevant behaviors probably are agreements among groups of males about sexual rights over females. The Chimpanzee as a Model, Hominid Ancestor. As a background for my evolutionary reconstructions, I shall briefly review the pertinent data on chimpanzee social behavior in the wild, stressing the evidence for reproductive competition. One, dispersion. Very similar patterns of chimpanzee dispersion <coughs> have been reported in the Gamba <coughs> Stream National Park. Loewig, Goodall, 1975. Goodall et al. In press. Halpern in press. Pusey in press. Rangham in press and in the Mahali mountains of Tanzania a stable quote-unquote community of related adult males maintains a large territory with well-defined boundaries against other such communities these large territories overlap a number of smaller adult female ranges Adult females are far less social than adult males, associate mostly with their own offspring, and do not participate in defending the males' territory. Males thus maintain sexual access to females by cooperating in holding a female-containing tract of land, a pattern that has been favored by selection, presumably, Because the males can control, collectively, a large area than the sum of the areas they could control individually, by God and press. Interactions between males of different communities are hostile. Patrolling parties of two or more prime males travel together along territorial boundaries, silently and alertly stopping from time to time to scan and to listen apparently seeking interactions with their neighbors if members of neighboring communities encounter one another small parties retreat from larger ones if two patrols are of approximately equal size they aggressively display at one another until one or both retreat. The data suggests that parties of adult males are motivated to approach individuals of other communities even if they subsequently retreat upon finding themselves outnumbered or faced with more formidable opponents. Goodall et al. in press. Patrolling parties attack isolated individual males of neighboring communities and apparently attempt to kill them. Goodall et al. described three such attacks in detail commenting that they were quote, characterized by extreme violence and brutality, shocking to observers, unquote. Males also were observed attacking and threatening females of neighboring communities and the females responded by following the males. In one case, the males threatened the female whenever she hesitated, indicating that she was forced against her will to travel with them. And Goodall et al. suggest that one purpose of these male excursions is to recruit females. Number two, female reproductive development. Free ranging chimpanzees may have birth peaks, but they do not have sexual seasons. The estrous females may be observed at any time of the year. Goodall, 1965. According to Lawick Goodall, 1975, menstrual cycles last 37 or 38 days and are characterized by menstrual bleeding and periodic swelling and deflating of the anogenital region. Most matings occur during a period of maximal swelling which lasts about 16 days. Females exhibit small swellings at 9 to 10 years of age, and menarche occurs at 11 to 12 years. But females are sterile until they are 13 or 14 years old. Since observation began at the Gombe Stream National Park, seven females have each produced two live infants. Second concept conceptions occurring when the females offspring were about four and six years old copulation may be initiated by either sex but generally the female present presents in response to a male's display the female crouches close to the ground and the male squats behind her ejaculation occurring after a few thrusts during which The female usually utters short, high-pitched screams. The female then darts forward, away from the male, and the male remounts only if he has not ejaculated. Adolescent estrus females travel widely, sometimes in neighboring communities where they they mate with the resident males. Although migrating females may be attacked by resident females, some apparently transfer permanently. 3. Male Reproductive Development males experience a growth spurt and begin sperm production at about nine to ten years of age but quote it is unlikely that young adolescent males play a significant role in the reproductive rate of their community for at least three or four years after puberty since they typically occupy a peripheral position in any association where there are older males and are usually inhibited from mating a sexually popular female when superior males are nearby. Lawik Goodall. By the time he is 11 or 12 years old, a male dominates most adult females, but at the same time becomes cautious around adult males, who are increasingly likely to threaten or attack him. The adolescent male is attracted to adult male groups, but remains on their periphery and seldom attempts to copulate when adult males are nearby. Lawick Goodall, 1973-1975 Adolescent males engage in status contests with other males of similar age and rank, which usually are limited to threat but sometimes involve considerable fighting. Hamburg 1971, 3, and 4. Lawick Goodall, 1973, and 5. During the final years of adolescence, between 13 and 15 years of age, males begin to attack or threaten lower-ranking males in the adult hierarchy. According to Lawick Goodall, 1975, In Riss and Goodall, 1977, the following appear to be important determinants of a male's rank. A. Size B. The formation of coalitions with other males, which are especially common between adult male siblings C. The requisite intelligence to display effectively to time challenges skillfully in order to take advantage of the presence of one's own allies, the absence of a rival's allies, or a rival's illness or injury. D. Since adult males may fight over rank. and since lawick goodall indicates that quote when combat does occur it may be extremely violent and may result in injury to one or both of the chimpanzees it may be surmised that fighting Four, promiscuous nuttings, females with large estrous swellings may be followed and mated by a number of adult males with little overt aggression. The infrequency of male fighting in these circumstances has often been cited as evidence That chimpanzee males are not sexually competitive. But a more likely explanation is that, the more competitors present, the sooner male combat will experience diminishing returns. Geslin, 1974. McGuinness in press found that the Frequency of fighting in groups of males surrounding an estrous female was inversely related to group size in one case, while the highest ranking male was attacking another male, three other males managed to copulate by got suggests that among chimpanzees. Quote, Competition for females is between communities of males rather than between individual males. Within a community, mating is more or less promiscuous. And the larger an area that a group of males can control, the more females will be available to them. Unquote. Bygod argues that collective defense of the territory is advantageous to individuals because a border patrolling group of males is a powerful deterrent to males of neighboring communities and yet each individual incurs only slight risk Quote, "thus by merely accompanying other males on border patrols" which can be combined with foraging an individual male can help to maintain his continued access to a large number of females Unquote. excessive intracommunity aggression over access to females will be penalized according to bygot because selfish males will be unable to enlist aid, intra-community competition is to be expected only in so far as it does not jeopardize the stability of the coalition. Bygod suggests that the much greater tests, testes-to-body ratio of chimpanzee males, compared with males of other primate species indicates that males compete via sperm competition. The reproductive edge going to the male who deposits the greatest number of sperm in the female's vagina during promiscuous mating. Nevertheless, there is a substantial evidence for intracommunity reproductive competition. As mentioned above, adolescent males who copulate with an estrous female, whenever they get the chance, can be easily intimidated and are threatened by adult males and physically prevented from mating. Lawick Goodall, 1968. Moreover, there is also evidence of aggression among adult males over sexual access to an estrous female, including attacks by dominant males on subordinates attempting to mate. Lawick Goodall, 1968-1975. Tutin notes that in every case, she witnessed in which a male successfully interfered with another male's copulation, the interfering male was the higher ranking. But the relationship between male dominance and mating success is not clear. Bygot did not find a significant correlation between dominance and copulation frequency but he notes that low-ranking males tend to copulate infrequently and that in some cases high-ranking males monopolized an estrous female by aggressive displays of at rivals of the six male courtship displays described by lawick goodall 1968 Five were also threat displays Nashida in press found that in one group in the Mahali mountains containing six adult males, the alpha male accounted for forty six point two per cent of the three hundred eighty three observed copulations and male. and male copulation frequencies were directly related to rank. In, other, in two other groups, however, alpha males may not have copulated especially frequently, but Nashida notes that both males were past prime and may have copulated more frequently during their primes. Males also have been observed to disrupt copulations by attacking the female member of the pair. Sugiyama, 1969 A tactic occasionally employed by male rhesus monkeys. Simons 5. Consortships. Adult males have been observed to form exclusive consortships with estrous females, frequently traveling to a peripheral part of the range where other adult males are unlikely to be encountered. Lawick Goodall, 1968. Tutin reports the existence of quote-unquote sexual partner preferences and suggests that in fact most chimpanzee matings are not promiscuous. Tutin argues that the formation of a consortship requires the female's cooperation. She found no correlation between the frequency with which males formed concertships and either their either their dominance rank or the amount of agonistic behavior they directed at females but male courtship frequency did correlate both with the amount of time they spent grooming swollen females and the frequency with which they shared food with females. Tutin hypothesizes that female choice is the basis of concertships, and adds that, if female choice is involved, it is of interest to note that the selection criteria appear to be social and caretaking abilities of the males, and not their dominance status, unquote. But it is not clear that concertships depend on female choice, Adlai Goodall and McGuinness in press point out, Males often herd females away from other males and force females to follow them to remote parts of the range by severely attacking them if they fail to follow or attempt to escape. That the female eventually follows without hesitation is hardly evidence for female choice and McGinnis points out that it is often difficult for an observer to determine whether the female is following of her own accord. Neither is it clear that the male rank is unrelated to reproductively significant concertships. McGinnis writes, While the frequencies of inferred concertships do not show significant correlations with agonistic rank. There is a tendency for certain high-ranking males to begin concertships significantly more often during tumescence and maximal swelling than during detumescence or no-swelling phases of the female's sexual cycles. Males in concert do not vocalize loudly, and they threaten or attack the female if she vocalizes. Quote, On occasion, when the female's vocalizations attracted another male or higher-ranking officer, the concert attempt was usually terminated. One, two concertships. higher-ranking male attacked the suitor. On other occasions when a higher-ranking male came upon a would-be consort between bouts of intimidation of the female, the suitor failed to repeat the displays as long as the higher-ranking male was, quote, was present." Unquote. long as the higher males were present. Thus in literature, rather thus in addition to whatever sperm competition there may be there is substantial evidence for aggressive reproductive competition including intercommunity aggression over ter- ter- territories aggression during Promiscuous meetings and aggression during the formation and maintenance of concertships. Figat found that 90% of all agonistic interactions he observed involved at least one adult male. There is also evidence both from the Mahali Mountains and the Gombe Stream National Park that dominant males are often more reproductively successful than lower ranking males. This is precisely what evolutionary theory predicts. Since males expend considerable time and energy and incur significant risks in status contests with other males, high rank can be expected to pay off in fitness. Otherwise, Selection would have favored males who economized on time and energy and did not incur the risks of fighting. The effects of male to male aggression are reflected in socionomic sex ratios. Although the male female ratio is one to one at birth, the ratio of mature males to females in One community was 9 to 16 in 1972 and 9 to 15 in 1973. And Lawak Goodall notes that because adult females are more solitary than adult males, their numbers may have been underestimated. There is no evidence that sex differences in survivorship's result from anything other than male-to-male aggressive competition. Number six, hunting and meat sharing. The hunting of small mammals by adult male chimpanzees have been described by a number of investigators. It is especially frequent among roaming male groups who cooperatively stalk Pursue, capture, divide, and distribute the prey. One male may, for example, climb a tree in which a monkey is sitting while other males station themselves at the bases of nearby trees, thus blocking the monkey's escape routes. There may be a partial suspension of dominance during hunts in that a subordinate male may lead the hunt. Teleki, 1973. The males divide the carcass and hence consume more meat than any other class of chimpanzee. But although males and subadults do not participate in the hunt, they do often receive meat from adult males. McGrew found that 80% of all of the instances of meat sharing consisted either of males distributing meat among themselves or of males giving meat to adult females. Episodes of sharing generally are peaceful, but are not always so, and intense bursts of competition may occur. Age and kinship appear to be associated with success in obtaining meat from males, but the effects of these variables are not yet clear. What is clear, however, is that estrous females are more likely to participate in meat-eating episodes than non-estrous females are. And estrous female participants more, are more likely to receive meat from males than non-estrous participants are. Two scenarios. Female mammals become sexually attractive to males near ovulation because it is to the females' reproductive advantage to copulate at this time. And hence, they advertise. It is difficult to imagine circumstances in which selection would favor males who lacked the ability to detect and to respond sexually to female ovulation announcements. Ancestral male hominids lost the ability to detect ovulation, not because the loss was to their advantage, but because it was to the females' advantage to conceal ovulation. It seems likely that selection would penalize a female who stopped advertising altogether. And, therefore, I assume that initially estrus was lost, when females began to advertise continuously. Perhaps female sexual attractivity was based on the production of a pheromone under the influence of estrogen, as it seems to be in rhesus monkeys and perhaps in other non-human primates. If so, the loss of estrus may have begun with the continuous production of this pheromone. Once males were no longer able to detect ovulation by smell, selection would have favored males who were able to discriminate and to be sexually aroused by other indices of female reproductive value an assessment males almost certainly made visually. In the absence of selection pressure to maintain it, the old olfactory signaling system would have degenerated. Recent in vitro experiments demonstrate the existence of detectable changes in the odor of vaginal secretions during the menstrual cycles of some, but not all, women. But there is little evidence that such changes have behavioral significance. Scenario A, the most straightforward interpretation of the loss of estrus is suggested by the data on chimpanzee hunting. Estrous female chimpanzees are more successful than non estrous females in obtaining meat from males. When hunting became a dominant male economic activity, as it did during human evolution, perhaps the cost in terms of fitness to females of constant sexual activity were outweighed by the benefits of receiving meat Hence, selection favored females who advertised continuously and thus were continuously attractive to males. It must be emphasized that continuous attractivity is is as important as receptivity, since the latter is relevant only if males first are sexually motivated Proceptivity among constantly attractive ancestral females may have been a function of, among other things, male physical and behavioral characteristics associated with fitness. But perhaps receptivity had more to do with day-to-day fluctuations in male hunting success as is the case in some human societies. And female sexual overtures may have been motivated more often by pragmatism about protein than by sexual emotion. In evolutionary perspective, the possession of surplus meat by males is in some respects analogous to an emergency, such as in intraspecific fight or an attack by a predator in that meat possession creates intense selective pressures. Natural selection for hominid male hunting abilities has been discussed by many scholars for example Laughlin 1968, Washburn and Lancaster. But given males of equal hunting prowess, selection would have strongly favored those who distributed their surplus meat to promote most effectively their inclusive fitness. Effective use might have included sharing with kin and using meat to obtain sexual partners or wives. Optimal male strategies in distributing meat may depend in part in whether they were able to detect ovulation. If hominid males regularly possessed meat surpluses before estrus was lost, a good hunter might do best reproductively by exchanging meat for copulations with estrus females. If ovulation could not be detected, however, a successful male might be better off acquiring permanent sexual rights to a female or females, resulting in relatively high confidence in paternity, male provisioning of his mate's offspring, and the evolution of other kinds of paternal behaviors and dispositions. In this scenario, the loss of estrus is is a precipitating cause of the evolution of marriage and the family. Scenario B. In another scenario, the family evolved before the loss of estrus. Because of the advantages to both males and females in the division of labor, once intensive male hunting was established. As I've already suggested, in choosing a wife, extended estrus periods are not necessarily a desirable quality, but estrus may have been lost anyway, after the evolution of the family, because the loss was advantageous to females, as in... males... Lawe Goodall writes that, quote, in the wild, chimpanzees probably always live in male-dominated societies, unquote. And in all known human societies, political power is normally wielded by politi- political power. As I have already suggested, in choosing a wife, extended estrus periods are not necessarily a desirable quality. But estrus may have been lost anyway after the evolution of the family, because the loss was advantageous to females in an environment in which physical and political power was wielded by males. Lawit Goodall writes that in the wild, chimpanzees probably always live in male-dominated societies and in all known human societies political power is normally wielded by adult males chimpanzee male dominance is clearly a function of size strength and aggressiveness the same is probably probably is true of humans but one can ignore the issue of aggressiveness and still explain human-male dominance. As Hamburg 1978 points out, the importance of physical strength in human affairs should not be underestimated. Men are much stronger and are much better fighters than women. And among preliterate peoples, men are regularly reported to use their strength in disputes with women. To explain male political dominance, all one needs to assume is that individuals tend to use the most effective tools they have at their disposal to get what they want and that males choose other males rather than females as political allies because males make more effective allies. Bigot in press writes, male chimpanzees, perhaps more than males of any other primate species, have developed the ability to spend long periods in peaceful proximity to one another to take collective action against intruders and even to cooperate in the hunting of mammalian prey Unquote. hominid males refine these abilities as levi strauss has discussed at length among pre-literate people's Marriages result from reciprocal exchanges of women among groups of men, never the other way around. Quote, the woman herself is nothing other than the supreme gift among those that can only be obtained in the form of reciprocal gifts. Unquote. Levi Strauss. Most women will be married to other than their ideal husband, both because marriages are made and enforced largely by networks of males, and because the most desirable males will be able to obtain and support only very few wives. Thus, selection favored females who made the most of such circumstances. Even if a female had little power to choose her husband since humans do not live as gibbons gibbons do in small defended territories where a mate's activities can be continuously monitored. Human females always had some power to choose their sexual partners. Continuous attractivity may have evolved in a marital environment where a female could not often choose the social father of her children as a female strategy for occasionally choosing her children's biological father. Although the fittest males are sharply limited in the number of wives they can obtain, given the opportunity they can fertilize an indefinite number of females. By not advertising ovulation, females may have minimized their husbands' abilities to monitor and to sequester them and maximize their own abilities to be fertilized by males other than their husbands. To be adaptive this advantage advantage would have had more than offset the increased expenditures of time, energy, and risk continuous attractivity entailed. Thus, in scenario A, the loss of estrus is in part a cause of marriage. In scenario B, it is in part a result of marriage. I have little confidence in these scenarios. Probably both are wrong, both are wrong, but they need not be right to be useful or interesting. They need only be as good as or better than competing explanations these scenarios have the advantage of explaining why although most human most adult humans are and probably always have been married to only one person at a time human sexuality is in many respects the opposite of that of monogamous mammals humans sexual peculiarities are less likely to be accounted for in terms of characteristics that humans share with many mammals. I have called attention to two Division of Labor I have called attention to two peculiarities, division of labor by sex and marriage. There are other peculiarities and other ways to play the loss of Esther's game. Not infrequently, ethnographers report that husbands and wives are genuinely fond of each other, and there may well have been selection during human evolution for the capacity to develop tender, specifically marital emotions. But intuitions about marriage based on the extremely artificial circumstances of modern industrial societies may be somewhat misleading. Since in industrial societies, unlike the face-to-face, kin-based societies in which the overwhelming majority of human evolution occurred, one's mate is often one's only hope for establishing an intimate, durable relationship with another adult. Whatever their shortcomings, the scenarios I have presented are compatible with a good deal of evidence about human behavior and do not require the leap of faith that sexually insatiable females are given pair bonds require, nor do the proposed scenarios require attack, either require nor do the Mm proposed natural selection acts to promote human happiness.